One, Forever Alone, is an ongoing story-based podcast. It is a work of fiction created and narrated by J.A. LaRock. You can find our podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. And now, Chapter 4, The Shadow Puzzle. It was as if I was staring at a video placed on pause and then edited to remove all the people. I turned my head. My eyes searched for something to explain the sight before me. Thoughts couldn't form within my mind. It was so quiet and yet the silence screamed. I was looking at the worst accident I could remember. I had to rationalize the reality before me. What did I see? What was I missing? The cars, their positioning, and the way they crashed, it was telling me something. I had passed this intersection almost every day since we moved in. I knew this area well. On my bike, I had to pay attention to the traffic patterns and how different streets and intersections worked. I had to be careful. Something my father drilled into me when he allowed me to get my bike. The thought of having an accident terrified him, and he made sure it would terrify me. The intersection of Clark Street and North Avenue was always busy. There had been many accidents there before that I'd been witness to. The scene set before me, however, was not like any I had seen before. The first most obvious difference was the lack of people. My helmet became heavy. I could no longer hold on to it. I released it from my hand. The sound the helmet made when it fell to the pavement startled me. There was a cracking sound, like a head slamming against a steering wheel. I slowly made my way into the intersection. I checked inside each vehicle I passed. They were all empty. Many of the doors were still locked. All still had keys inside the ignition. Some were still running. The pattern of the crashes didn't match what I was used to seeing. Know that I'm no expert, but I've seen what happens when someone runs a stoplight or is driving drunk. After my father was killed, I spent months reading and searching through the archives of various accidents. This was not one or two cars meeting in the intersection, but the flow of traffic from all sides meeting in the center all at once. Some of the damage particularly in the intersection, was extensive. This would make sense. There were, however, many of the other cars, some with damage that was so slight, it was as if they gently rolled into one another. One car near the North Shore Bank looked as if it was in mid-turn, going southbound on Clark Street to westbound on North Avenue. The damage 
and the positioning of the cars made it clear that the car simply rolled across the street in a diagonal pattern and gently crashed into the two cars that were sitting stationary, waiting for the light to change. The second issue to contend with was the lack of reason for the accidents. The street lights were in work in order. I was forced to pause on that thought. An injection of fear coursed through me. My eyes again began to search, but this time to the sky. There were overcast skies. I didn't remember seeing them when I first pulled from the garage. I didn't understand how they were there when I arrived in the intersection. Perhaps it didn't matter. There was nothing above that explained what was going on right in front of me. There was no rain or other weather conditions, but that wasn't the reason for my growing fear. I may have told myself I was checking the weather, but what I was looking for was something much more sinister. The only reasonable reason people would just abandon their vehicles would be if there was some kind of attack or a pending attack. There was no sign of smoke or other evidence of damage or destruction anywhere else that I could see in sight. Instinct pulled against rational thought. My mind screamed at me to find shelter. My eyes locked onto the coffee shop. I remembered hating it when it first took over. It replaced the comic book shop I enjoyed growing up. It angered me to see it replaced and forgotten so easily. Soon, I was in there daily, wasting money on overpriced lattes. I was no better than the people I disliked. Near the entrance to the coffee shop, there was a black Dodge Neon that had crashed head-on into a lamppost. The front windshield was cracked, but I could clearly see the reflection from the driver's die-cast live-your-dream keychain attached to the keys in the ignition. The front of the coffee shop seemed normal. There were no signs of damage on the door or windows. If there was a mass panic and a rush to shelter, there should have been some signs of it in the street or on the sidewalk. A gust of wind, much colder than it should have been, caused a shiver within me. Perhaps it wasn't just the chilled air, but the creeping dread that was telling me that this was only the beginning of a long nightmare. I stared at the storefront and my eye caught a shimmer from something in front of the door. I stepped closer and knelt down and picked up a small cellular flip phone. It was black with a slick high-tech design. I remembered that the model was just released a week prior. I placed the phone in my pocket pushed the door open and stepped inside. The coffee shop was dead quiet and as empty as the street outside. Normally, a large group ranging from high school students to downtown money makers would be either lined up dying to purchase their caffeine salvation or parked on one of the many lounge chairs chatting away or trying to look important typing on their laptops. Just as the wind wasn't the true cause of my shiver, the desolate cafe was not my main quandary. Purses, wallets, and lots of change, 
Both bills and coins littered the floor. It was as if everyone dropped what they were doing in a panic and fled. What did not make sense was if there was an attack or a disaster, why was there no word of it? Why would the streets be evacuated? Why would people just drop their possessions as if they disappeared in an instant? There had to be an explanation, but any reasonable one escaped me. I walked forward and stared at two cups of coffee, large-sized, that sat on the counter next to the cash register. My uneasiness increased with each echoing step I made towards it. I leaned over the counter and found more money spilled onto the floor on the other side. Four dollar bills and some change. The cash register was open. It was as if the event happened just as the customer was paying. Vanilla latte. I could smell it. There was a new contrast. My fingertips felt the heat from the coffee cup as the chill within me grew further still. There wasn't a curiosity any longer. The coffee cups were made to keep the contents hot, but at the temperature I had felt, whatever happened, happened less than a few hours ago. I felt a fear inside me that I had not known was possible. Without conscious thought, I had jumped over the counter and grabbed hold of the store's phone. Before my hands began to shake, I had already dialed 911. My heart thumped in my chest as the phone continued to ring. I cursed myself for being so stupid. I had wasted so much time trying to solve this puzzle without even knowing what the picture was. Several more rings had me breathing heavy. A click, then a moment of silence brought me both hope and despair. Thank you for calling the Chicago Police Department. All circuits are busy. Please try again later. I had never heard an automated response like that from the police before. It didn't ask me to hold or tell me that there was something wrong. I wonder if there was anyone even there to answer. I thought back to right before I left home. The question repeating in my mind was, if something happened, why didn't anyone tell me? My mother would have heard about the incident on television or the radio or even on the internet. Ashley would have barged into my room with a grand announcement, unless... My hand steadied, just enough to quickly dial my house. Come on, pick up, please. I was talking to no one. Perhaps I was hoping if someone, anyone heard my plea. Then there was another click and then silence. It felt like an eternity passed. And then you reached the voicemail of Martha, Timothy and Ashley Hayden. Sorry we missed your call. But if you leave your name, number and time of your call, we will call you back. Have a wonderful day. Hearing my mother's voice for the first time ever caused me anguish. Mom, are you home? Please, pick up. Something's happened. I, I don't know what it is, but everyone, everyone evacuated the neighborhood. I'm coming home. Wait for me. My body froze. It was like 
the flash some people claim they see during a near-death experience, except I didn't see highlights of my life. I replayed in my mind me running down the stairs and calling out to my mother before leaving. I never saw my mother that morning, or Ashley. Were they even there? My eyes locked onto a large digital clock above the front door. It read 1.45. What if they never had a chance to tell me what occurred? What if they didn't have a chance to warn me? I needed to run. I begged my body to move. I couldn't accept what I feared had happened. Finally, I was able to break free and rush towards the door. A thought from the moment I saw the empty cars had fully burrowed through to the front of my mind. What if this was my dream fulfilled, but as a nightmare? What if I was now all alone? Next time, Chapter 5.